Welcome to my mom's podcast. You're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast, where we chat with educators, community members, and advocates of early childhood alike through candid and real conversations, focusing on the person behind the practice, along with some tips and strategies as well. I'm your host, Marisa. All right, so we are starting a kindergarten virtual chat. I am joined by Lauren. Is it? It's in Italiano, right? Say it, Lauren. It's Di Gregorio. Di Gregorio. I like the way that sounds. <laughs> um, and my other colleague, Catherine Norwood. Thank you again, you guys, for always joining me on these adventures. <laughs> of um, technical support for our teachers. So there's been a lot of talk and frustration. Uh, I've been getting some messages and just kind of how this came about was our, we have a kindergarten group here in Arizona um, that is really founded on what's called the kindergarten experience philosophy. It's very much, it was very much a hands-on um, multi-sensory learning centers approach. And then comes COVID, and now everyone's thrown into virtual teaching. And many of the teachers, uh, like all of us, are, I mean, I know for myself, speak for myself, struggling to try to support that educator through the online process. So from those conversations, I'm like, hey, would anybody be interested in joining us to just a little informal conversation? Let's put some tips together. Um, who wants to do it with me? And I'm fortunate enough where Lauren and Catherine said, hey, we want to participate. So that's how these guys um, did a favor and joined on this chat. So for us, um, what we're going to do is I'm going to go to my slideshow. This is being recorded. I'm going to convert this to an audio podcast and then I'm going to have it also on our YouTube channel for the early childhood journeys YouTube page and I'll link it out for teachers that that want to take a look at it I know there was a lot of changes here in Arizona we were you guys just missed the good parking lot talk I call it um <laughs> of all of our the changes that the governor Ducey made regarding uh, his executive order on um asking or um, requiring everybody to go back to in-person learning instruction. So there's just been a huge shift here. Lauren is joining us out of state. She's a kindergarten teacher out in New Mexico now. We won't hold that against her, but she's still very much connected to us here, the kindergarten experience family. And thankfully also Catherine is also here locally in um, the Phoenix metro area. So let me go to the slideshow. I'm going to just share my screen again, just to give us a guide. And then you guys, Lauren, jump in and share your thoughts. I know you, um, you've been working too. So one of the images that I wanted to show, this one made its, its, let's see, its way around social media. Um, it's using, it's a graphic that says using video to assess student attention in virtual class meetings. Now this one, um, for, to me, I guess these are kind of obvious things, but I understand that for some educators, they're just tips that perhaps they may forget, or maybe when you're in it, you forget the experience of the actual user. 
So some of the stuff includes um, don't do this, don't connect students' video use, like judging students' eye contact with participation points. And I'm not even sure how that would even work with the kindergartner. Like kindergartners aren't, they're gonna be squirming around. Lauren, what are some, from, from the graphic that we're talking about, does anything stand out to you? Because I know you've been doing one-on-one -on -one assessments with kids. How is that going? The one-on-one -on -one assessments have been going really well. I just finished today, so woohoo! <laughs> um, personally, I can't think of what I would do if I hadn't done those one-on-one -on -one assessments because I feel like I'd kind of be going in blind to the school year um, because I know a lot of schools have these required um, like computer digital assessments and we know kindergartners are not proficient computer test takers or really test takers <laughs> in general. And so when you're putting them on this new device and then you're trying to get this really important data from them and they don't know how to click things or they don't really understand the directions, then the data from that test kind of isn't super helpful for you so also just being able to have that like one-on-one -on -one connection with each kiddo I was actually able to do virtual home visits for the first three or four days of school so that was the first time I met them and then so the assessment was actually the second one-on-one -on -one opportunity I had with them so kind of just building on that um, getting to know them a little more um, on top of the daily morning meetings that we've been having with the whole class, which is kind of tricky to try to get lots of kiddos involved. So I think the one-on-one -on -one assessments are kind of essential for kindergarten. Lauren, is that something that you were able to create because you were given that autonomy or was it a suggestion by your school administrator? I'm curious about that. So for the home visits, those were required for my school. The one-on-one -on -one assessments was just me finding um, finding an area that I needed to get more data on and want to connect more with the kids. So that was kind of on my own. Um, but I know a lot of other teachers on my team this week were also doing that. So what about if I may ask, are your students required, like is it a district that requires uniforms? Because I know that for many school districts, there's this whole thing about wearing a uniform um, while they're doing the online piece. I don't know, I personally feel that that should be optional depending on the family. I just wanna, I think we need to really look at this process through an equity lens. Um, yeah. and, see it, and see if that really is necessary for the family. I have uh, colleagues that like it, that want their child wants to feel like they're going to school and that's like a mindset piece. And, I, and then I have other families that are like, no, I'm struggling with them to you know, put this on. How do I explain that? Yeah, you're still here at home, but you need to get like dressed up and having that and dinging kids for not wearing a uniform i think that shows that we're st we've, we have a long way to, to um be inclusive with our fam with our families Laura, uh, catherine do you have anything to add with that um first and foremost i totally agree with you it is definitely an equity piece and i think it's also indicative that um 
that's a local ed agency, a school, right, that's making a decision that isn't oriented around what we know is the science of learning and the science behind early childhood education. And I personally question if that's kind of misalignment with what's the best interest for the child. I think about that and I understand and really agree with um, the overall objective that I feel strongly that all schools are really trying to work on and achieve for the best interest of kids and families. And that's trying to have some scope of structure and yes. continuity, right, with what is ordinarily present in a brick and mortar context for schooling. But on the flip side, I think we lose sight of that objective because we're construing the uniform as being that vehicle that creates routine and comfort <laughs> and structure. And it's not, it's these other pieces that do, that we can achieve in other means. And if a child is struggling that much with getting dressed in a uniform, then we should look to other ways that build comfort for that child and routine and predictability and those types of things. I mean, how important is it to have a blue shirt on and khakis? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Hey, I still have kids coming to morning meeting in their pajamas, so we're just trying to do the best we can, you know? You know, they're there. I yeah. see it as they're there. They're awake. <laughs> they're awake. They got up. They got uh -huh. out of the bed, and they're, they have the computer on. So, hey, we're doing good. I, and I feel like, um, yes, we're trying to, to I, I go back, I, I hear what Catherine is saying is like, that that school type of atmosphere but we're not in school at home let's be realistic so what other types of norms can we create you know for many adults adults struggle with that now that they're working from home i tell my husband uh, i'm gonna put him on blast <laughs> you know he, he gets up make sure it's the same thing role model like get ready for your day like yeah it's really easy shower or you know brush your teeth wash your face or whatever maybe it's a shower optional day i don't know i'm like just change your shirt you know change your shirt um i do a thing when i go into work with the teachers at our uh, child care center i have my work shirt but i like to put on my apron now even more so but i have an apron that i like to put on for me that like sets my mind into okay i'm starting my day so for us um for our kiddo, and I know I was talking to some of my colleagues or young children, you know, I'm like, just change the shirt. Can you change your shirt at least? You know, don't, I don't want to start my day arguing or power struggles when this is already challenging enough because I, I was telling um, some of my coworkers before all of this, I'm like, I'm trying to convince my child to wear shorts. Like, she likes to walk around with her shirt and her chonies and we're just at home it's just us so i get it i was talking to trisha her previous preschool teacher and i'm like i don't know how to like i'm trying to convince her to wear shorts because <laughs> i know we're gonna be on on the online classes i'm like you have to wear shorts mija like <laughs> she's like well where are we going it's just it's just my chest up like why and I'm, and, and I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. Or to brush her hair. I'm like, can you just brush your hair, please? You know, she's like, why? It's just my friends. 
like, you know, what's the big deal? Like, it's just us. <laughs> so so I, I don't know. Like, I think it's just very funny as adults struggle with that. And then we're having this expectation for children. So where can we meet in the middle so that it's a happy medium and we're already not stressed out with the whole new process and can we give everybody some grace? That's my Agreed. The other piece of that too, when I listen to what you're talking about, Marissa, and it's interesting, thank you for mentioning the adults and right, that Mm -hmm. there's this weird juxtaposition of expectations between adults and kids. But I personally would like to see if we are going to have, whether it's a uniform requirement or whatever it is, but just providing parents and guardians uh, and even teachers who might still need it, uh, support with strategies. You mentioned mm-hmm. power struggles, right? We don't want that. We talk a lot about social emotional development and supports for that with children. So I feel like as schools, yeah, we have a responsibility. We have an ethical responsibility to provide strategies to our parents and guardians on you might, you know, what, how do you help your child understand and practice safe measures, wearing shorts, can't sit there in your underwear, right? Mm -hmm. Or putting on a uniform or whatever, whatever it might be, choice making that's appropriate. Yes, I think that's a really good point that instead of the task, let's focus on the strategies for that. I'm going to skip through this, this slide. So I just have a slide that showed an example of a Google created classroom for the teachers that are looking for more ideas. There's a Twitter chat called hashtag kinder chat. And I believe they do it every month. I believe they're going to be starting up again in September, but I have found it to be really helpful as an additional tool for very common kindergarten questions and for some more support. And the gal that leads it sent me this link to this Google Classroom and you click on it and it has um, websites that the kids can then be led to. For example, it has a PBS Kids logo on it. And when the kids click on it, they go to a PB, the PBS site to play the literacy games. So I thought that was, you know, everybody was doing their Bitmoji thing. Um, I, I don't know, I, I kind of go back and forth with that. But if this is another tool that you are using for the online platform, um, go for it. Don't just create the room, but if you can make it interactive, that's my thing. I'm like, okay, it's a pretty picture, but is it interactive? Can parents utilize it as another res- a visual resource, especially for kindergartners, right? The next resource, and I want to get to Catherine's tips that she had pointed out. I have a link for, so teaching strategies. Um, I came across some webinars specifically for kindergarten teachers. Uh, this specific webinar called Admin, Admin, What Do You See? Meaningful Interactions in Kindergarten. So what admins are looking for in a meaningful online kin- kindergarten experience. It's, as a teacher, you can check it out. It's free to view. I think it's like 30 minutes um, on the teaching strategies website. And you can see what the admin is looking for. So it kind of gives you a baseline as far as how you can incorporate some of those same concepts to your online teaching. That's a great resource, Marissa. And oh, good. I'm glad. Evaluations for teachers, teacher evals are in full swing this year. Oh man, that's going to be a whole separate Zoom. <laughs> 
Lauren, I see. So Lauren's face <laughs> shaking her head. I mean, I really hope it's, I, I'm really curious about what, what the baselines are going to be because I, yeah, you know, everybody, the, the goal has to be, I feel like let's step it back some steps, some milestones, you know, because, um, there's so much trauma and other factors and I'm wondering how that, what that's going to look like. So I'm curious about that. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to have another meeting that. that Marissa. <laughs> talk about that. I have a lot of opinions on that. (laughs) Talk about that later. You heard it here, guys. We'll be, that's going to be another, another Zoom, another virtual chat. So talk to me about, um, Catherine, about this resource. So for those that um, are listening, it's Digital Tools for Literacy from the University of Florida Literacy Institute. So there is a teaching reading online um, link and it's called UFLI Facebook page. So you can go on Facebook and get some additional ideas and strategies for literacy, which is really what we are focusing on in this age group uh, and how to make it meaningful as well. Did you have a chance to come through that web through the, the links, Catherine? Anything that stood out to you? Yes, uh, this is one of my favorite uh, resources to recommend to people. And one reason why is they, so some school districts have very comprehensive um, structured literacy programs for reading foundations. So when we think about the English language arts standards in Arizona, Um, One of the sections is reading and one of the sections within reading is reading foundations. So that's all the parts that teach kids how to read. So again, many districts have great programs that are, have been since remote learning in the spring, creating and sharing for free um, digital tools that can be used or school districts have licenses with larger programs like Wilson, for instance, is Mm -hmm. a large program. And, um, you know, you'll have uh, permissions to create your own digital tools in conjunction with Wilson and just a lot of stuff. But if you don't have access to something like that, this particular Literacy Institute through the University of Florida has some great digital tools. The virtual blending board allows you, think of like a tile board. So you, you have all your letters and um, diagraphs and all these different, right? phoneme graphing, graphemes of the English language, and you can move those around and you can practice fluency at a letter level. You can build words for blending. It's all digital and it's free. This site also has a lot of other um, word work activities and tools, and it has training videos. It's just a cache of resources. So this is something that is great. Are you guys able, if I click on it, can you see that that new screen from, from your end? Let me see. Uh, yeah, the website, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Let me look at the other one so I can, we can, wait. Oh, that's just a Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm looking through it. What do you think, Lauren? This, I'm looking. I yeah, I'm excited about that blending mat thing you were talking about. Because that's so, so for, hard to do through like 
a computer if they don't yes. have physical things to manipulate. Mm-hmm. So for my listeners, there's a bunch of links on the website, um, like virtual blending board, a link for that, uh, blending drill. There's some videos, word map, word work map beginner video. Oh, and it has beginner, intermediate, and then student controls. Yeah. That's awesome. It's nice. And a lot of them are PowerPoint. So if you want to, you know, use it as a PowerPoint, you can write, make individual slides for your kids and they can work on every student can have their own slide or mat and a lot of things you can do. That's a score. Oh, let's talk about Flipgrid. That's my, that's one. Are we talking about Flipgrid AR? Talk to me about this. Oh, AR is just augmented reality. It's just a QR code, basically. But I love it because um, you can do, so if your student or parent or guardian has the Flipgrid app, they can take their phone, and no matter where you have that AR code or QR code, whatever you want to call it, they just open up the app and scan it, and then whatever is the video pops up. So when I think about how can we use that in a virtual context, you might have Google Classroom, for instance, and you put an assignment in Google Classroom, or you might be using some other curriculum and they have their own platform. Maybe it's Canvas, who knows, right? So whatever it is that you've got organized as a learning task or assignment, you can um, chunk it, you can, put in that AR code and then all they have to do is wand over it with their phone and they have a video and you can make the video whatever you want. If you want to import something into Flipgrid, you can do that. You can video record somewhere else and import it to Flipgrid. You can make it a video of yourself. I mean, I'm all for bitmojis and stuff, but I think students want to see their teachers and hear their voices. Mm -hmm. So it's just another opportunity to do effective instruction, the stuff we know how to do in a real person setting, in person, and just, you know, use technology to achieve as much as we can, um, especially in an in a, uh, asynchronous manner, right? When we're not live streaming with our students, they can... I love this platform. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty connected to this chat that's offered on Twitter for Flipgrid when I was learning when I was learning how to use it um, through our grant work for the kindergarten experience, especially for our ELL population, it is so helpful um, to use this type of tool and it's free to use and it's very controlled and private as well. Cause I remember we were talking about the, uh, you know, making sure uh, you're checking with the privacy settings, many school districts um, use it. Our particular school district, I remember asking, um, they didn't want to use it um, for what for whatever reason. I'm like, it's totally private. You could have it just, you know, closed with the just for the classroom, because it's also very familiar. Kids are there's the there's the emoji feature that is involved. I mean, those are those are tech tools that little kids right now are familiar with mm-hmm. um, that can encourage language and literacy. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's see, and then. This one was really cool. You want to talk about this image? Sure. Um, That one 
a colleague shared with me actually today, and we were using it as part of uh, a, another project at school. But I liked it a lot just because, you know, it's something um, I'm hearing from a lot of teachers that they miss being engaged with their students and they miss the interactions and it's kind of wearing them down, you know, just as much as students miss their teachers, teachers miss their kids and those relationships. So we were just talking about some ideas that um, teachers can do to have rewards and just fun things. I really appreciated on that pre that first graphic you shared of what not to do, right, with mm -hmm. virtual teaching. And I am not somebody that is a real extrinsic reward person yeah, even yeah. as a teacher. Right. So I just feel like do these as celebrations, do these as way to make connections. And yes. You're simple. Or maybe you're simple has me, Catherine. I was saying I've done some of these already with my class and like the virtual scavenger hunt. We did that in a morning meeting the other day and they had a blast. And the next day they're like, are we doing that again? I was like, no, we're gonna do something else. But <laughs> look it. So and every day we're doing a go noodle song. We end our morning meetings with like a dance dance party. Um, but yeah, I like some of these other ideas to pop in there too. So for our um, audio folks, the graphic says 18 distance learning class reward ideas. However, you know, we're trying to focus really on social and emotional and, and not so much on that extrinsic piece. So how do we twist this concept into how Lauren described it? So some of the examples say virtual launch with teacher. Uh, another choice is digital dance party. Choose a go noodle song. Uh, mystery reader. Joke sharing virtual field trip so things I love this things um, it that for me it, it it feels like creating your classroom community online mm -hmm. I mean it really does it's engaging it's authentic and it provides uh, the kids an opportunity to to choose as a consensus I would I would say too do you just right now are you just deciding on kind of how to, what to do Lauren or are are now the kids shouting out as far as like what they want to do for the next day have you had some requests um well the scavenger hunt was requested so each <laughs> day i've i've tried to do like a new kind of activity with them yeah that's kind of like exciting and get some interacting with each other so i've done like a mystery bag so i have like a bag and i kind of shake it up and I tried to see if they could guess it in 10 questions and that it was also good for like figuring out how to ask questions because practicing the like concept of questions. Your because it was so funny. So in my bag, I had one of my dog's toys and they had gotten to, they figured out that it was a toy. They figured out it was not for a kid. And then one kiddo says, is it a computer? And I'm like, <laughs> well, we know it's a toy. And we know it's not for kids. It's probably not a computer. So that was a fun one. Um, we've also done, oh, we played Pictionary together. Um, on Zoom, there's like the whiteboard feature. And so I gave them like a category and I was drawing, except they're like way too good at it. So I got to step up my game apparently. Um, yesterday, we did like a directed drawing together. So I put on this video and we all drew this, um, we drew a whale together and it was actually, it was really cool because after I had all the parents take a picture of it and send it to me and I made like a virtual bulletin board 
of all their work together. So it was kind of like how you would see it at school. And I put like their names with it and I shared it today and they were all excited. So, so tell me again. So you showed, uh, tell me it's, these are certain videos and you all do it together. To yeah. So I dance. found this super awesome, um, YouTube, um, channel and he let me see if i can find the exact name of it okay that's uh, i love that and then it you still so created and sense of so i did it with them and it was it was only like six minutes so it wasn't super long so you'd still have time to do other stuff mm -hmm. um how many people want lauren to be their kids teacher i mean <laughs> No. <sighs> can, okay, can we just the channel is called Art for Kids Hub. Let me see if I can find it. Art for Kids Hub. He has so many different types of drawings that you can do. And he it's what's really cool is he does it right next to his son. And so he does it and his son's doing it right next to him. Yeah, that's it. And okay. so the kids see like not the like perfect artist rendition, but like the kid version too. Very and cool. Okay. I'm gonna just share I'm just for those that are watching the yeah and so if you just go to youtube and type in art for kids hub yep his um channel will pop up but yeah so we did that the other day and at the end of the meeting so first i just had them like hold up their drawings and i was like it's okay if you're not done yet so i let them finish after if they wanted to make it however they wanted it and then yep i had them take a picture and send it to me and i kind of just put them all together in a virtual bulletin board so what are you using for your bulletin boards for your platform platform man um i just made a google slide and i found an image of a bulletin board and like blew it up to the size of the slide i wish i could show it to you i wish i could see it i want you to do a, like a screenshot and then send it to us and yeah group. i want That'd be to cool. do that very cool okay oh i love these so there's an image another a graphic that Catherine also put up called social distancing greetings and it has a, a bunch of different little cute cartoony kids faces what they're all wearing their masks and then they're all showing a different type of greeting like a wave <laughs> spirit fingers air fist bump salute air high five hand on heart victory a little dance and they're like doing a jig oh my gosh and the dab, the dab, that's my kid. <laughs> Heart finger, silly face, namaste, oh yeah, pinky wave. This is excellent. That, this is another really great idea um, I, for our kiddos, I've noticed for our um, virtual meeting, like morning meetings that, were, that are very socially emotional focused, this is a really great idea to get kids to choose their, social, their, their greeting. Well, because you know, I have to tell you, just a shout out to Kindergarten Experience and shout out to Lauren Harness, who taught me this, the whole morning greeting and choice, right, when kids mm -hmm. are coming through threshold, and mm -hmm. uh, that was something that I was personally missing, seeing kids and teachers with that exchange, and I saw this, but um, like, right, that is total Kindergarten Experience. I, I think that's such a great connection, Catherine, because I was wondering, it's, it's so hard to, to, how do you say, work on it when you're in it all the time. So I'm like, how, how am I going to do that greeting piece? Like, 
to, to connect and set up, set up our day, right? To connect with that child when they come into your classroom. And I think this is such a great way to, you post this up, this image up, and everybody can take turns doing their, their greeting online with you. Yeah. We've been doing, well, not this many choices, but <laughs> we had like five choices that is at like one of the beginning slides. So we start our morning with our greeting. I think we have the air high five, the wave. Um, we have do a silly voice. Hello. Mm. Um, we have the little dance and oh, one was just say good morning with a smile, but yeah, I can, some, I can see some kids, they still have some time to wake up, you know, like, eh, I don't want to do any of these. Well, everyone <laughs> is still into the wave, so like the wave. That's great. I'll have to tell you today, because um, Catherine brought it up, bringing like the kindergarten spirits connection. So it was, I felt like it was really important for us to still do some of those beginning of the year type of connections. So today... Yeah we created our class name and it was it was an interesting experience oh my god please share please share <laughs> so yesterday i was just trying to brainstorm ways because even when we're in the classroom it's it can be tricky to like get all their ideas and like come <laughs> to a consensus of what we're going to be called and so i didn't want it to be like a free-for-all zoom craziness because it's hard mm -hmm. to get them back. Mm -hmm. So I first I explained that we needed a name. And so on my screen, I had like a picture of like Paw Patrol and Power Rangers. And I said, these are groups of people. They aren't really people. But <laughs> we call them a name because we don't just call them individually because that would take too long. They're a group. And so we're a group like Paw Patrol be a group or Power Rangers, just putting it in terms that they would understand. And then on the next slide so to have it a little more um con not controlled but easier to manage um i put a bunch of words on one side of like adjectives that could describe us as a class i had like nine different words and then on the other side i had some nouns and we talked about like adjectives and nouns really quick just to throw in some ELA in there. And then. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I had a bunch of different nouns that would make sense with us as a class. And then we used, we learned to use the chat box today for the first time. So that was interesting. And so we went through it and they were typing like because I numbered each one so that I'd know which one they were voting for. Oh. And I like opened up the chat box and they typed the number that they wanted, like the, the combination. And I was like, okay, I'm going to tally all the votes and I'll let you know what our class name is. And so we decided to be called the Happy Rock Stars. So that's our name. <laughs> and so I was so happy that we were still able to, even though it was a little bit different, but still have that um, experience together. And Oh, I think that is so lovely. And I mean, I was, I was concerned about how the kindergartners, like you said in the beginning, we were talking about, you know, kindergartners using the laptop for test taking as it is, you know, was, is hard. And I'm like, how are they going to 
you know, they can't read and how are they, go how are we going to facilitate that and having those options and numbers and they get to vote still by using the, the numbers. Um, yep. So it's I kind had of a picture of a chat box. So I was like, here's what you need <laughs> yeah. to do. I had everything in a number all day. And then I repeated it like 17 times <laughs> each one. So they, and some kids were like, can you repeat that, that one? And so they were into it. So it was exciting. And you added some ELA. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> In an entirely integrated, purposeful manner that was absolutely engaging. Bravo, yes. seriously. That was brilliant. I the have, whole sequence. <laughs> I have, um, I don't know, are you, do you use, I saw this trick that, has been, that had been making its around this video. And I know Catherine had mentioned it before on how to make your smartphone into a docucam. It's, I, I'm, I have the video on this PowerPoint. I'm sure if you Google it, there should be so many YouTube um, links to how to connect your smartphone so that you're not having to hold up a dry erase board to you know to to visualize something especially if you have a lot of boxes on that screen one of the this came up before because one of the challenges i was seeing was some of the students some of the, the school districts are using the lenovo laptops and the screens are small like my mac screen i think might be a little bit bigger but when you're using certain online platforms like i don't know whether it's google classroom or canvas so, and then you're within that screen, you're using, um, you know, your PowerPoint. So it's like screens within screens. And the, so then the visual becomes even smaller. And then if you're, if the students are all in gallery view or, or they don't know how to switch between gallery view and presenter view, for example, and you're showing something on your screen, you become even tinier. Um, so just, keeping that in mind that if you are going to be showing something on, you know, on your screen, on you, consider practicing how to use your smartphone as a docu-cam. Um, and there's plenty of tutorials on how to do that. I don't know if anybody, Lauren, how, how, how have you set up, like, have you tried this yet? No, but that's a good idea because so right now I'm teaching from, the kitchen counter and I our school has given us the option to teach from school but I don't know it's so convenient to teach from your house if you have yeah. that option and yeah. you don't have a lot of distractions but um no but that's a good idea because I I during my assessments today even like I was having to hold up a whiteboard with some like um addition stuff on yeah, it the math, I, I noticed it was a little tricky cool Lauren, will your, will your school give you permission to bring home a document camera if you have one at school? Yeah, they said we, we could take them home. We just had to like check them out. But mm -hmm. we haven't been doing a lot of teaching yet because yeah. we've, we're still in like the intro phase and the procedural stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Either gathering data. So I haven't really needed it too much. But if I need it, I can go get it. But I like that idea of having things that I already have at home to use. Yeah, and I think that was a, another, initially why I wanted to get you know you guys together because 
I'm hoping that everybody's in this kind of gathering of ideas mode, <laughs> transitioning into that actual instruction. And we are getting to know our students, um, hopefully having scheduling those one-on-one -on -one virtual times. So, and a couple of these strategies, hopefully you can use them with for your school district if you don't already have them. This is my favorite. Um, I'm showing a new slide uh, that Catherine put up from Colorín Colorado. Um, the English one is reading, reading rockets, I believe. So back in the day, long time ago, when I used to work with what we call kith and kin childcare providers, mainly were Spanish-speaking community. I came across this website for teaching um, English language learners and helping those communities um, with their language and literacy. And I did not know that there was the English counterpart called Reading Rockets. I just thought I scored <laughs> with this website <laughs> called Colorín Colorado. Um, and so it ha this website has many languages. Um, I mean, I've seen Mandarin, um, Korean, like they have a t Vietnamese. I've seen a ton of languages. Uh, and so if you haven't already discovered this little gem, it's on here. And it's the way, let me see if how it's coloring, colorado. It is, here it is. It's see it's color in Colorado, okay, in English. Um, but you can choose any language. And then I've seen um, the other one, the other English version. I mean, it's it's in English, but I don't know what's different in the Reading Rockets one. Um, if it's just catering to non-Spanish speaking communities, perhaps. So that's another really cool resource. Thank you, Catherine. Sure. And I'm glad you mentioned Reading Rockets as well. Um, there is a lot of overlap between the two sites as far as the content. Mm -hmm. I tend to see more uh, information on Reading Rockets that's specific to um, like the science of reading. Uh, okay. As compared to Color in, Color in Colorado. But it would be interesting to, you know, for somebody to utilize them both as resources because some, some things oh, are yeah. and they, I, unique to each. They have really great video. Um, I like the principles, the printable stuff back in when we used to print, have to print stuff out um, that were super easy to give to parents and the backpacks for kids. Yeah. Mm. Let's see here. And then the last things that I have that I just quickly had reflected on um, for some questions to consider for teachers. So how can I connect with students individually? And I think we, we talked about that already. Am I using online resources to assist with my ELL students? Um, I believe the majority of Arizona students, especially in the Phoenix metro area, it's, you know, we have a huge Latino population. So we have a huge Spanish speaking population. And that includes a heavy English language learner population. Um, I believe 70% also are Title I schools in Arizona. 
So we have some underrepresented marginalized communities and what are we doing um, to connect with them and viewing our instruction through an equity lens. And then the other one that I thought of, and I know Catherine had mentioned this in our conversations before, can I connect with colleagues to test my online lessons? You know, teachers are already isolated. They were already isolated before in their classrooms. And I'm really grateful that we have our little small little cohort group <laughs> that we can exchange and bump ideas with. Not everybody maybe has that, but is there a way where you can connect with another colleague online that, can, that you can show them, um, I guess, how you're doing your lessons so that, am I doing this right? Does it look, does this, can somebody look at this, can, you know, practice using the online platforms? That's my thing. I'm like, I don't, I didn't get good at these things just by doing it. Like just out of the jump, I had to practice. And I'm like, hey, can somebody come and join my thing and tell me what is, how does it look like on your end? Is it, does it look okay? Can you hear me? Can you see it? What should I do differently? I know as a teacher back in the days, um, I used to, one of the things that my mentor would tell me to do was to record myself. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, no! <laughs> and I mean, that was really powerful. Uh, my body language, how's my, how is my facial expression? This is going to be even more important when you're um, talking to your students, how our body language and facial expressions are coming across, right? Um, and then just always checking your connectivity your audio, your video, just those little troubleshooting things. Uh, those are some of the things that just offhand, does anybody, do you guys have any other items? Well, first of all, Marissa, I love all of those ideas that you just talked about with connecting to colleagues. One thing I just um, want to add on to that is remembering that when we are in a WebEx or a Zoom or whatever it may be with a student or multiple students, we're effectively entering their homes. Mm -hmm. So just check with your district or building admin on how are you honoring FERPA laws, making sure that we're protecting kids and their families. And even if it's just a function of a courtesy communique to, parent, to that parent or guardian to say, hey, I'm gonna have a guest in the room today or a co-teacher or whatever it may be, even if you're just on chat, um, just right because we're entering their homes. That is such a great point, Catherine, yeah. Lauren, did you have anything? Any other reflections to consider? I just had something when Catherine was talking and out fluttered out <laughs> of my brain. Are Maybe. you thinking about all the things you're going to be adding to your to your lessons now? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, oh my gosh, what I was going to say. Come back to me. I don't okay. remember. It's okay. been a long day. <laughs> yes, I'm, I, oh, yes, it has. Um, I mean, those are essentially the, the, the gist of our tools or the tools that I've come across. Um, I'm hoping that if teachers can take away one or two, strategies uh, if anything i i'm always telling folks like you know just message me if you want to test something out i'm always open to listening and um seeing troubleshooting tech stuff with teachers i i don't have you know i'm very much open to supporting them in that in this journey and one of the things we had talked about before was everyone 
don't feel like you have to be the expert right away with this because we're all like essentially new educators. This is, I've never, when no one has ever been through a pandemic and have, and has had to um, do this. Like there's just so many factors to consider. I don't feel like there's one way, one perfect way. I think it's just like anything else. It's that continuum of learning and that formative assessment, like what adjustments am I doing as I'm learning, as I'm um, getting to know uh, my students. And as I think for a teacher growing as a professional and, oh, I, okay, now I know how to do this. Oh, I can adapt it for next time. Um, so giving teachers that grace that it's okay not to be perfect. I think the important part is that you're constantly reevaluating what, how you can make some tweaks and changes and improvements and just recognizing that um, we need to look at things through an equity lens for sure right now. That's always my thing. Anybody else? I just think we got to keep uh, sharing our resources in the, with each other and lift each other up, but also listen to each other's rants when we feel like it. And <laughs> uh, I know just supporting different perspectives and different um, barriers that some people might have over others. And yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Absolutely. Because I, um, I feel like you can be the most experienced and the least experienced, but I feel like this is a first for everybody what we're going through right now. So certainly don't expect folks to, to feel like they have to be perfect, right? Well, that's all I have, you guys. We wanna wrap it up. Any last reflections? Keep being brave. Keep having grace for yourself and others. I agree. All right, well, thank you guys again. I'm gonna stop the recording, hopefully, who is listening or watching you guys got some good tips see you next time we'll be talking about, what was the next topic again <laughs> evaluate teacher evaluation <laughs> virtual teacher evaluation lauren <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>